passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, the 40 Club podcast. We'll explain it a little bit later. If you're not familiar with the name of our podcast, I've got my main man, Joey Powell, with me. If you're looking on YouTube, uh, take a chance to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe, rate us, do all that good stuff. It helps us move up the charts on some weird algorithm that iTunes has. I was told there would be no math, Tommy. There is no math. I did not do well at math when I was at Carolina. (laughs) I, I bet the guy that we have as a guest did well in everything as he's done well in life. If you're looking on YouTube, you may recognize him, Mr. Damian Grant. I appreciate you taking time to join us. Hey, I appreciate you having me on your show. Thank you so much. Debo's all, Debo already gets the award for, uh, for biggest guest that we've had so far. <laughs> is that what it is? Not yeah. even close. We'll, we'll send that trophy in the mail to you real quick. <laughs> I appreciate that. Just give it to Tommy. He'll, have it. He'll deliver it to my house. Yeah, really. So that's funny. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's break the ice and talk about um, how Mr. Grant ended up on this podcast. So we live uh, in a little town east of Raleigh. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it that I way. Say that. And uh, I'm at the pool one day and my son comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and he's like dad look over there and I look over there and he says that guy played basketball at Carolina and I couldn't see you standing under the uh under the awning over there or under the the thing and I, I leaned up and I said oh that's Debo and he said who is Debo <laughs> kids today yeah. and then you you came across and I, I believe that's what I said to you first so we ended up talking at the pool, uh, and here we are today. It's just a, it's a yeah. small world, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And then, you, you know, when you, when you came over, you're like, Debo. And I was like, okay, so this guy must know me because <laughs> only people that know me know me is Debo. <laughs> well, that's a, it was funny to me is that those, those teenagers had no clue who that was. So, yeah, yeah, we got to get those young guys oh, educated. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so let's, um, like I mentioned, it's the 40 Club podcast. We sort of came up with that name um, since we started doing these. We talked to you, buddy, Jawad. We've talked to Michael Brooker, and now we've got you. Um, and we'll explain more about why the 40 Club is a thing. Um, but, Damien, you know, you're a guy from Hope Bay, Jamaica. <laughs> First of all, for us, you know, I'm from the country, so I understand small towns, but <laughs> describe – Hope Bay, describe where you grew up 
And then I kind of want to get into how we wound up here today and the journey sure. it took to get us here. Yeah, so Hope Bay is a, a really small town on the uh, north coast of uh, Jamaica and the parish of Portland. It's about, uh, most people are probably familiar with Port Antonio. I think it says in some of the bios that I'm from Port Antonio, but I'm actually from Hope Bay. Uh, it's about 10 miles west of Port Antonio. Very small, it's fishing, but considered a fisher village, or actually not a village, but town. Um, only a few thousand people has a police station, a few churches, everybody knows everybody. And, um, but yeah, my, my parents grew up there. I hope, you know, that's, that's, that's considered home. So you played cricket and soccer. Now, <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know how big you are now. <laughs> what is a, a six, probably what, six, 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 seven, guy playing soccer please tell cricket. me you weren't a fullback that's all i wanted <laughs> please tell me you weren't a fullback <laughs> so uh but yeah actually i played cricket um soccer and i ran track you know for, for my for my uh what we call primary school team growing up and so never played basketball at all growing up didn't even didn't really think about it it, was, it wasn't a sport in jamaica basketball wasn't wasn't big at all um and uh, and I didn't even watch the game because you know we didn't have cable, so we had uh, one the local TV channel, which of course didn't have any basketball games. It was all local shows and local news that went off the air at noon and then came back on at three p.m. <laughs> so we need that these days. <laughs> kids so that's so that's what I have. But uh, but yeah, so grew up. Uh, because that's what all that's what everybody else, all the other kids were doing. So, um, you know, that's what all the other kids were doing, and um, so that's that's what I did. Um, you know, and it, it, being tall, yeah, I was tall, but with running track, with with playing soccer, you know, I I I was an athletic kid. I was quick. Um, so, I mean, it definitely contributed to a lot of the things I eventually started to do. So, as you've lived, you know, your entire life, you know how this works out, where they see the tall guy, like, automatically, he must be great at basketball. But tell us, how did basketball become a part of your life? You know, you, you had all these other athletic things that you were good at and that you were doing. At what point did somebody introduce basketball to you and get you out there and say, hey, try this out? So, it's a crazy story. Um, my grandfather lives uh in he lived in new jersey and in jamaica being a tall kid i didn't have um and i had big feet didn't have the resources to be able to buy shoes and you know at the time i was wearing a size 15 couldn't find size 15 shoes in jamaica so my grandfather living in new jersey um he would buy shoes and get them shipped to me so he went into a shoe store in new jersey and um to buy, you know, shoes for me. And the owner of the shoe store inquired about, okay, who are you buying these shoes for? These are pretty <laughs> big shoes. And I was like, hey, it's for my grandson. He's in Jamaica. You know, he's like, well, he must be a tall guy. So they, they started talking. And um, so got connected with another guy in New Jersey, um, Al. And uh, I next to another in about three months, I was in New Jersey. Never played basketball before, 
to learn the game of basketball. This was in June of 1998. Um, so that summer, uh, I was you know 16 years old. That summer, um, went to a few basketball camps. I went to Monmouth University basketball camp. I went to Rutgers University basketball, two weeks of Marvel University basketball camp, two weeks of Rutgers University camp, a week at a five-star camp um, in the Poconos. And uh, yeah, that was my very first exposure into playing basketball. So that's a, that is, you know, a very much trial by fire immersion type, you know, introduction to, to the sport. Yeah. You mentioned that you spent some time at the five-star camp. What's that like, you know, for a kid that was your age at the time, going from never having touched a basketball to now you're playing all day, every day, these camps, and you're seeing at five-star, there's some, there's some decent talent there. How, how did that go for you? How did you adjust to that? What was your, was it an overwhelm? T- tell us about it. It was a, it was definitely a culture shock. Um, and um, a huge culture shock. Uh because you had some really talented guys there and then guys that thought that because I was seven foot tall and, you know, that I, I that I should, or you may hear my daughter. You know? right. hey, that, that is a part. That happens of, on every one of these now. It's okay. It's, it's, it's a rite of passage. It's nap, it's nap time. So you may hear her yelling. Protest in nap time. She, she wants to blow me kiss. Night, night. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my, my wife's putting her down for a nap. She's, yeah, see you through the office door. But anyway, um, but yeah, so they, they thought, uh, because I was, you know, seven foot t- tall, that I should be able to do all these things, not knowing that I just started playing basketball like four weeks prior. Right. And so it, it was, it was, uh, it was difficult. Um, you know, uh, but, but it was good because then I saw, I got to see a few guys that I want, that I know I wanted to, to be like, you know, I wanted to get better. I wanted to play on, on, you know, at, up at their level and, and be as competitive as, as, um, you know, as, as I know they're, they're being right um, at that point. So it was something that, uh, it was definitely a shock, a culture shock. So you go from that, that culture shock. And then a couple of years later, uh, where you played at Brewster, which mm-hmm. there's a local, kid Carter Witt just transferred up there for his senior year from here from Mm -hmm. Raleigh Um, but you play at Brewster explain to us the process of how you wind up in Chapel Hill and yeah North Carolina basketball is remains to this day to be one of the you know it's the thing in this country here's Damon Grant from uh, Hope Bay Jamaica Picks up a basketball at 16 and then at 18 uh, is going to UNC to play basketball. Yeah, so that, that's another unique story. And I'll give you a condensed version. If you want to dig any deeper, by all means, you, know, you can ask <laughs> questions. But, um, you know, so with, with being in, in, uh, in New Jersey, um, you know, playing basketball camps, I, I still didn't land in a school um i um i was i i moved from miami to maryland um eventually to new hampshire i I actually played a year 
when I finally started playing organized basketball, I was 18 at Newport Prep School in Maryland. And I played for about half a season before I tore my meniscus. And that was the first time I was actually playing on a team for a school. And I tore my meniscus and then so I had to have surgery. And then I went to Brewster Academy um, the year after that, where I, you know, I played a, 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 my first full year of organized basketball. So it was a year and a half of organized, of actual organized basketball on the team platform before, you know, I'm at Brewster, um, you know, going in and it's, uh, it was my postgraduate year and, uh, coach, coach, uh, Jason Smith at their Brewster, I got to give him a lot of, a lot of credit. Cause I mean, he, um, he had a lot of faith in me. Um, you know, he, he was one of those that he knew that I wasn't the most talented guy, but he knew that I, I was athletic and it's something that he could work with. And uh, once I got to Brewster, um, met him and his coaching staff and you know, met a lot of great guys there, um, you know, was able to start getting the attention from other colleges, um, you know, start getting. At, at first, it was Coach, um, it was Coach Quarterbaum that came up to, to watch practice. Yeah, Coach Q came up to watch practice. And after that, it was Coach Wojcik. Uh, he came up to watch practice and then. Um, Coach Doherty came up for a game. Uh, I think we were playing. I don't remember the team we were playing, but he came up for a game. And then I, I, I remember we lost. And it, it wasn't I, – I forgot he was even at the game. I was more pissed off about the, us losing the game by six. I mean, it was a competitive team. We were right there. And, I for, you know, when we went back down to the locker room, I forgot he was at the game. and you know, Coach Smith came in and he talked. And then after, you know, he came over and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, Coach Doherty wants to uh, offer you a scholarship. And I was just like, what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that that was kind of like the journey in a nutshell. Your thought, you know, is the what. But after it settles in, you you, you clear your mind. You've got a scholarship offered in North Carolina to play basketball. I can imagine that was a pretty big deal uh, those days. It still is. But how do you process that and then walk us through – I mean, was there even a choice after that of where you were going to school or, or you know, just, just how did you make that decision to come to Chapel Hill? No, there, there wasn't a question after that. You know, before I, t- I took official visits to things like LaSalle University, um, UMass, um, Seton Hall University, and before you know, Seton Hall was kind of like my top contender. I wanted to go to a school back in New Jersey because I considered New Jersey my second home. Um, coach Louis Orr at the time was a coach at Seton Hall. I really connected with him, and um, you know, and I, I visited the campus. I like you know, so I liked Seton Hall at the time, but then when when Chapel Hill came in, I remember I took my official visit to Chapel Hill. It was in January, I think it's like January 3rd uh, in 2000, um, 2001, and uh, 2002, I'm sorry, January 3rd. And um, it was an ice storm. They just had an ice storm that, that uh, the day before prior. And walking through campus still, it was, 
I was hooked, you know, given the, 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 the how beautiful the campus was, the rich uh, Carolina history. Um, there was, it was a no brainer after that. I mean, it, how can you, how can you say no? But, if, you know, and I was in awe, I'm still in awe. Like, you know, I feel truly blessed to have, um, you know, received that opportunity. And, and I, actually to this day, I don't feel like I, I deserve that. Right. That's pretty you know, awesome. It, yeah, it definitely is. I'm very grateful for that. I've got a weird question. I want to see if I can push you on just a little bit. So go with me here. You've got a very unique perspective in a sense that you're having to tell folks back in Jamaica, your family, the people that you grew up with, you're telling them about what Carolina basketball is and they have no context. What does that sound like? What is that story? None. How do you relate that to them? None whatsoever. It's, it, it, it still doesn't even connect to that. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like saying, hey, you know Michael Jordan? This is where he went to college. Everybody knows Michael Jordan, right? right? So it's like, hey, this is where Michael Jordan went to college. You know, so that's a, glo like, that's oh, a global okay. reference and nobody yeah. else gets that. I love that you have that perspective and, and I, I would love to have heard how you told that story to, to those folks, you know, I've tried to relate to, okay, Michael Jordan, and this is the college that he went to like that, that had to have been just nuts to wrap your head around. You know, it's crazy. It's like, um, so when I got recruited, you know, this is one of the things I loved about coach Doherty. He flew down to Jamaica to meet my parents and to talk to them about me coming to Chapel Hill. And this was, um, this was actually after I'd even committed, you know, he, he, he wanted to be sure that he met my, my parents, my family. And, um, you know, he, and I, and I thought that was, that was really cool. So, you know, they, they didn't, they still didn't really understand. They just thought, Hey, some guy coming down, hmm. talk to me, talk to us about her, our son going to school, you know, playing basketball <laughs> and, um, you know, so, so yeah, they, they still don't really. You know, they, they, uh, one, one of the things I do regret is, you know, they never had the opportunity to come see me play. Mm. You know, at UNC, they never, um, they, didn't, they, they didn't get a chance to come to a game. But um, so that there was still kind of that, that huge disconnect there. Um, didn't help the disconnect um, that was there for them. Right. So your first experience in Chapel Hill was during one of the tough parts of the program. Yeah, that 8 and 20 year was just a landmark in a negative way for for what had been history for you know Carolina basketball and how the entire culture had evolved what was your experience and what was your perspective in coming in at a time where the you know the program had just kind of hit a low you know I didn't really think much of that you know it was it was just a I, I knew deep down it was just a phase you know it was just just a rebuilding it's it's it wasn't going to to last um you know and actually on my visit um, Carolina played Wake Forest at home and got blown out, you know, but that still didn't, didn't deter. I was just really excited to get there the next year. And then stepping on campus, you know, with, uh, you know, meeting Sean, um, you know, Byron, David, Raymond, Rashad, um, you know, the six of us as, as freshmen, coming in it was like okay we we know what we 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 know what we're here for we know what we need to do uh, we know the talent and we just the very first day we had no doubt that um not, we we I, I, we didn't consider ourselves saviors but we knew we we uh we can make a huge impact and get the program back to where it needed to be 
um, especially adding on to, you know, the, the already core team that was there with Jawad, Jackie, you know, and, and Melvin. So you mentioned your class that you come in. That's probably one of the transformative classes there in Carolina basketball history to turn it around. Of course, Jawad, Jackie, and Melvin were part of 8-20, and 20, and then we know how their senior seasons ended up. But but you talk about coming in and you got the eight and twenty to deal with. Um, how did Jawa? Uh, excuse me, Raymond, Rashad, Sean. I mean, those guys were high level recruits, successful on the high school level, on the on the uh, you know on the circuit or whatever. How did those guys react from your standpoint? You, you know what I mean? Seeing you understood what it was. It was a bump in the road. How do you think those guys, or what did you see from those guys uh, during that time? Because it was a rough stretch. I mean, we've talked to a lot of former guys, talked to Hakeem Nix earlier this weekend, and he said, you know, I never lost a game in high school, period, in football, four years. His first year at Carolina, they go three and nine. That's a different – I mean, that's different. How, how did you see that amongst your teammates dealing with the, the losses and then the, the process to get it back? Yeah, I mean, it's it, – we're all highly competitive. You know, I mean, it's, if you weren't, we wouldn't have played, you know, basketball or basketball at any level, I don't think. And um, so, so being in the gym on a daily basis and knowing that we were pushing each other and then even our freshman year, when we went, um, I think it was what eighteen and fourteen and nineteen or something like that. Um, um, you know, even that, that our freshman year with each loss, I mean, it, it it was still it was still pretty difficult, especially after you know we went into the season unranked and we started creeping in the top twenty five. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 had this down swag. You know, we start okay, yeah, we we we're good, we can get this. And then started losing game after game after game and started and it started really being frustrating. And um we all wanted to help each other but didn't really know how. You know, it was it, we all were frustrated because we were losing but didn't really know how. I felt like we 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 were relying on each, we were wanting to rely on each other, but didn't re- also didn't really know how. It was a right. it was a, a coming together of a lot of different talents, a lot of different egos that wanted to rely on each other. I don't think anyone was saying, you know, hey, I'm you know, give me the ball, I'm going to save this deal individually. But it, 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 it was not really knowing how to 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 make all of those moving pieces work. And that was, I think, the more the more frustrating piece because we knew it could work. I'm understanding how to make it all come together. You know, that's a, a fascinating aspect. I've done this for Inside Carolina since 98. So I've seen some really good teams, and I've covered that team. And I covered mm-hmm. the one before that. And, you know, as this season's going on, um, what you describe sort of leads to Coach Darty not being there anymore. Um, and I remember being in the locker room, and I've told this story before, and I won't go into as much detail. I remember being in the locker room after one of those games you guys lost during that season. And there was a couple guys that were despondent, um, Rashad being one of them. And my thought was, just as a person, not really as a person covering it, is that somebody needs to 
but th- these team needs somebody to talk to, you know what I mean? To get their minds right. And, and so anyway, it was just a sort of surreal experience for me personally, seeing guys that are so uber competitive, like you talk mm-hmm. about to be as down as he was in one of those, in one of those situations. But anyway, so after that season, Darty is gone. Coach Darty is somebody you've already said you have a lot of respect for. He came to Jamaica. He did every, He gets you to Chapel Hill or helps you to Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. and now he's gone. Where, where's your mind at that moment? Because that was a tumultuous time. Um, uh, you know, we can yeah. get into the nuts and bolts of the hows and the whys, and a lot of people have a ton of those questions, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but – yeah, you know, it's, it, it, uh, you know, that was definitely very shocking, you know, for, for all of us. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Coach Doherty, and I, you know, to this day. And um, I'll tell you why I have a lot of respect for Coach Doherty. And, I, and, I, and, you know, I tell this story every chance I get, and I've actually told Coach Doherty himself because I feel like it was important for him to know. Mm-hmm. Um, with me just understanding and learning the game of basketball, I felt like Coach Doherty understood where I was as a player. So took the time to understand where I added value and 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 praise it. I remember there was one practice, and this this may seem small to to you or to, to a lot of people. It'd be like, how the hell do you not know that? But hear me out. <laughs> uh, there was one practice, and um, you know I'm going against Sean, and Sean is kicking my butt left and right you know, getting a rebound and here, then it's just like, I'm getting so frustrated because I'm like, you know, I'm going hard, not letting up. And uh, I I can't get the re I can't get the rebound. And, um, you know, coach stopped practice, you know, he's like, time he he pulled me aside. He's like, Damien, here's the thing. Like when you, when Raymond shoots the ball on the, on the right wing, you know, chances are it's going to come off on the left wing. Right. So if you were boxing Sean out at the top of the key, don't just box him out and stay there. Box out, release, go get the ball. You know, so box him, release, go get the ball. Don't just box him out and wait for somebody else to get there. You know, go get it. So again, you would think that, that would be common sense, but for someone learning the game of basketball, it's not something that I think about. I think, oh, I'll box my guy out. I'm close to it. You know, yeah. if everyone is doing their job and boxing out, then, you know, Somebody would get the ball if everyone is doing their job. Right. So, very next play, you know, I I box out, release, and I go get the rebound. Very next play. I remember he stopped practicing. He's like, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. We all clapped and shit. You can tell me nothing the rest of practice. As far as I'm concerned, I was the best player on the court. (laughs) You know, and that was – that that's a that's a very you know when you look at that story you know for me i just had a ton of respect for him in that way and and taking something so small and 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 building on that and 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 uh, understanding what my um the things that i brought to the team knowing that you know my timing was impeccable so i can block shots like crazy i can't you know i'm not gonna score you know but i'm gonna block, block a few shots and praising me on those key things and you know so even with that i've taken those principles and, and applied them 
you know, in leadership and business to, to today with, you know, with, with, with leading a team. So that was one of the things that I truly respected about Coach Coach Doherty, and you know, still have a ton of respect. And I've told him this story because I feel like it's important for him to know how he's impacted me. He impacted me then, even to this day. He, I felt like then, you know, if I had an issue, I could feel, I, I felt comfortable going to him and talking to him about it. You know, the head coach, I didn't like this. You know, or you know, him being real with me about it. So when he got. Uh, when I heard that he wasn't going to be there anymore, it was it was a shock, and I didn't know until we're sitting there on the sidelines. You see that picture of all of us at the the press conference. Yeah, you know we found that's that's when we found out. Um, you know, so a lot of people, you know, one one of the things I take issue with, and I'm going to say this here, mm-hmm. please is, do. You know, there were some people that talked about us being a team of thugs because of how we were dressed and all this stuff, and yep. you know, we had no respect. For the organization, I'm like we were. We just got got back from class. Mm-hmm. No, no, we didn't know we were on TV. We were just told, "Hey, come, come to the Dean Dome." Okay, and then next thing we were let out to the court and put in chairs, yeah. and that's happening. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's one of the pitches. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, like what the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah. So that was a, a very difficult um, transition, and especially for me, knowing that he recruited me, um, you know, not knowing who's going to come in next, you know, is this coach going to accept me, knowing developmentally where I am as a player, my background, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was a very difficult time. So let, let, ahead, me, let me follow, Joy. That, that's a fascinating story there and i'm glad you shared it because you're right a lot of people to this day still talk about that day and the clothes and we talked i mentioned we talked to jawad a while back and he talked about that very same situation about how they or you guys were labeled in a certain way because of appearances on that day um So, uh, you know, I appreciate you sharing it. I, I know that our, the people that listen to these podcasts and listen to our stuff will appreciate that perspective because it never really got told, you know, yeah. by at least by the media, yeah. um, especially around here. Interesting, interesting discussion. Let me take a break, talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They're great sponsors of this podcast, and I want to mention them. I want to mention how important it is for our listeners and our subscribers to take time to support them. If you're inside Carolina Premium subscriber, you get 10% off your order. But even if you're not, you go to johnnytshirt.com and they're constantly having sales, pushing football gear, basketball gear, sports, anything you want from Johnny T-Shirt. Take part online, buy from them, shop local if you're in Chapel Hill and Franklin Street or shop local if you're in on the other side of the moon. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Sponsors of this podcast, and again, 10% off your everyday orders. I'm going to take another break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm Tommy Ashley. Joey Powell's joining me, and we've got special guest Damian Grant. A lot more to come after these messages. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Now, let's get back into this. I've got Joey Powell at my side. Damian Grant here is our guest. So, Coach Doherty's out. Yeah. It is chaos. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about who it would be. Um, we know that, you know, years before or a few years before that, Coach Williams was in the bag, then he wasn't in the bag. And so, Doherty's there. And when you finally get word that coach Roy Williams is coming back to Chapel Hill, uh, given your background and, and being a, a young guy in college on a basketball team, what are you thinking when the news breaks that this guy's coming back from Kansas? And quite honestly, most Carolina fans think he's going to be the savior, expect him to be the savior, at least from the coaching standpoint. Yeah. The, the, the only thing I thought about was, well, he didn't recruit me when he was at Kansas. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jawad yeah. said the same thing. Didn't yeah, Jawad yeah. said the same thing. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, okay, so, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't think I have value. Mm. And um, so maybe I need to, to transfer, go somewhere else. You know, and of course, you know, and I'm coming off uh, a freshman season. And I didn't, I didn't mention this, sir, but, you know, I, I, I talked about a meniscus tear I had, you know, my, um, in high school, I had another one, my, you know, earlier on in, in at Chapel Hill, my early, my freshman year. So I played through that whole season with a meniscus tear. No one really knows that. Mm. So after, after the season, um, you know, it was going to get it repaired. Um, so, you know, um, at the time, I'm not sure why, what was the delay, delay with having the surgery, but there was a gap between, you know, when Coach Doherty was, was, wasn't there and when I actually had my, my surgery. And um, so I wasn't, I wasn't um, doing any sort of condition to stay off my knee to get some of the swelling down. Um, so I remember, you know, Coach Williams coming in and he's like, okay, I want I didn't have any real opinion of him, whatever. I just know, you know, when he, when they announced he was going to be there, they told us to 
make sure you're all wearing suits and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they the, did the press conference, um, you know, and, and that night is when we met him at the press conference. And um, I didn't really have any, any real opinions of him. You know, he was there for, you know, like, I think that same week, he said, okay, I want everyone to go through these workouts. I think he even talked about this in his book. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm there, you know, and that's good for all my knees shot to crap and, <laughs> you know, going through these, you know, I'm like, this guy comes in, he wants everybody to go through workouts. So I talked to Skate, our trainer, I'm like, because he wanted me to go through the workouts too, because I'm supposed to be having a surgery. This thing is killing me. He's like, yeah, everybody needs to go through workouts. Like, <laughs> for our listeners, so, I wish you could have seen Damien's reaction to now <laughs> video. So I'm like, all right, well, great. So, you know, I'm like, this isn't going to go well. Um, but I'm in the, we're in the practice gym and uh, we go in there and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm mad, you know, and <laughs> we're going through these workouts and, you know, I'm not in the best shape either, you know? And uh, I remember I, I, I was so mad and wanted to get out of it so bad. We were doing these drills where we threw it off the backboard, do an outlet pass, sprint to the next end and take a shot or layup or something. And I was so mad. Uh, I wanted to and take a break that I just threw it off the wall instead of the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and in his book, he wrote about, you know, how I was so out of shape and whatever. Like I, I completely missed the backboard when I threw it or something. <laughs> like that. If he only knew, if he only knew the other side of that story. And I, and I was really surprised that he wrote about that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, I, I wasn't in any condition to, to, to be going. So, you know, I, I felt that being his first opinion of me, you know, that didn't, I felt like that was working against me, you know, working against a lot of guys. I mean, you know, he was evaluating the team and knowing what, what, figure, what attempting to figure out what he needed to do. But as a young kid, I didn't really understand that. So when did it change for you? When did it go from feeling like this, you know, this new guy is coming in that you have no relationship with, he sees this first impression of you, uh, you know, in this workout, however you guys remember it. When did your impression change or when did you first actually get a chance to connect with Coach Williams? Uh, I just really felt like I, I connected with Coach Williams. Um, Frankly, it, it was one of those situations where I felt like I was I was constantly attempting to figure out where I fit in. You know, with Coach Doherty, again, he 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 pointed that out. You know, he he recruited me. He knew where that where that gap was with Coach Williams. You know, I was still attempting to to figure that out consistently. So. Um, you know, I, I was, I, I remember just being frustrated with myself because I didn't know where, where I, where I stood. Um, I remember going into my junior year, you know, um, or four or five season, and we all know how that ended. Um, you know, I went back before but that summer, I went back to New Jersey and, um, you know, I would go back to New Jersey every summer and worked out with a trainer, um, you know, with Wes Mayo. 
remember, you know, we had our 6 a.m. club. So at 6 a.m., I'm, you know, uh, I'm up working out or our strength training, conditioning. And then Coach Dubo, uh, with Coach Dubois, um, doing basketball skill training at, at noon and then playing in the uh, Pro-Am League in the evening. So, you know, three times a day, almost, you know, uh, for about five, three times a day, five days a week, um, doing some sort of workout and basketball skill training. So I remember, you know, when I went back to New Jersey and was working out, lost 32 pounds that summer, came back fit, ready to fit in and, and, you know, doing what I knew I was supposed to do, you know, came in, did the Carolina mile or the mile and a half run, uh, you know, did that felt good. Like, yeah, I'm ready. You know, did the, uh, the Carolina mile, which is like a rich tradition. That was actually my very first year doing it because every year has always been some sort of injury or something and doing that and got good time, you know, as a, as a uh, big guy, I think I ran it in uh, six, 15, six minutes, 15 seconds, Shoot. you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I remember my, you know, with each lap, coach Williams, you know, pushing me. Come on, Debo, let's go. You got it. You got it. In that last mile, you know, he was like, "Don't quit, don't quit." And you know, for that last hundred meters, just going all out. And uh, you know, I remember one of the things he said there, which is one of the very first praises I remember from him. And he talked about. Um, he said that, uh, you know, he felt like I, I was the one that gave my all because that very last 100 meters, I was going all out. Like, he felt like everybody was still sort of coasting. Mm-hmm. Like, well, crap, Raymond just ran it in like five minutes. <laughs> 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 you know, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was like, I'll take it. Um, you know, I remember on the, on the flight out to Hawaii, uh, he was meeting with each player and talking about, you know, grading different aspects where they are conditioning wise and everything. And where he gave me a B plus for my conditioning and told me how um, I had improved so much since the prior year and that now I just needed to work on my stamina. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I remember those, those specific praises and I remember just always wanting to do things to, figure out where my role was, but didn't really quite get there. I personally didn't feel like I got there. So when did you feel like, and this is one of the things I can just coming from an outside perspective, Mm -hmm. I felt, I felt really bad because your knees just never let you kind of be what it seems like you wanted to be. When did you decide that, you know, it just, it physically, it wasn't going to work out. And can you share a little bit about that process with us? Yeah. So it was, um, so had a so the end of my junior year, you know, we had I had all these nagging injuries, um, and I was out, and I felt I felt like I was ready to come back and play. Actually, like towards the end of my junior year, even going into the ACC tournament, even before going to the ACC tournament, I felt like I was ready to come back and play. But for whatever reason, um, you know, I never came back. I don't really remember the details of that, but um, but I accepted that. You know, I, I I was practicing full practice, full contact practice, but never never dressed to come back. Um, but whatever, I you know I, I accepted 
that role. And, um, you know, we had a lot of fun uh, with it still. And, you know, no hard feelings there. My, my, my going into my senior year, you know, that summer, it's like, all right, you know, you have uh, Rashad, Raymond, Sean, they're all leaving. Um, Jackie, Melvin, uh, Jawad, they're graduating. You know, David, Byron, me, you know, this is all right. Time to step up. Let's go. And so I'm, I'm ready at summer. So we're working, knowing what we're, what we have to do, you know, with all the young guys coming in. You know, of course, young guys meeting Tyler. And <laughs> 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 we know where that, that led, you know. Yeah, that, guy, that guy was pretty good. Different kind of young guy. <laughs> he was all right. You know, we had Tyler. Um, you know, we had uh, um, Danny. You know those guys. So it's so it's uh, that summer um, playing pickup, late night pickup, like we always do. Um, came down on Rayshon's, uh went to block a shot, landed on Rayshon's ankle, and had a high ankle sprain, and it just—I mean, it was—it was, it was pretty bad. Probably the worst pain I've ever felt. And um, I never, never fully recovered from that. Um, played in uh, well, we were playing in the in the Bahamas, the Bahamas tour. It, I just could not, I had no explosiveness. I couldn't, couldn't run. It was extremely painful. And coming back and you're okay, like something is off here. I need to get this really checked out. Um, so did a, an MRI, realized that there were a ton of bone spurs in there. It was restricting movement, mobility, and um, you know, a lot of scar tissue that was being built up. And, um, you know, so the doctor told me, it's like, look, you know, we can go in and I can remove some of the bone spurs. But if we were to really repair it like we needed to, you know, that's covered some of the ligaments. You're looking at about a year of physical therapy before you can truly get back and, and play. So this is the beginning of my senior year, you know, and I'm like, a year? I'm like, okay. So I'm in the weight room one day doing power cleans. And <laughs> after that, you know, ignoring that and my ankle gave out. I'm at the top of my snatch. Oh, that's my the worst time. Out. <laughs> so like now my ex gave I had to throw the weight off me and I walked out of the weight room and I'm like, all right, I think this is it. Um I think I think I think this is it. You know, I, I wanted to my body was telling me that enough is enough. And you know, I wanted to be able to when I get to forty years old play with be able to, to play with my kids and after that, I had surgery to remove some of the bone spurs, not all of them, just the ones that were causing some discomfort, and um, and just be able to walk comfortably. And that's I decided to hang it up. Thanks for sharing that. Let me let me read you a quote um, from an article several years ago. It says, "I remember setting up a meeting with Coach Williams to let him know I didn't think I'd be able to play the game of basketball anymore." He said something to me that has stuck with me to this day. He said he'd never seen someone fight so hard to be healthy or fight so hard to give so much, but my body just wasn't able to keep up. Yeah. That's, that's tough. I mean, and it, from looking at you today, talking about it, it still, it still hurts a little bit. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. It, um, 
you know, so so I'll, I'll you know I'll share this as part of being vulnerable, right? You know, we talk about the the, the impact that players should have at UNC, and you know, I kind of felt that um, it's an honor, you know, when when you get that scholarship to to play at you at Chapel Hill. I don't feel like I, I gave that, you know, what that deserved, you know, because my body just wasn't able to do it. And uh, I knew that there was there was a lot in there that I had to give. And in my mind, I knew I knew it. You know, I knew how athletic I was. I knew it was at seven feet I could jump. You know, um, I knew you know keep, keep my weight down. I, I knew what I was able to do, but the body didn't cooperate. That. So yeah, it, 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 it's tough because I know um, that there was a lot more. I feel like there was a lot more that I could have given that. Um, I was able to. Well, I, I'll tell you, I've covered a, a bunch of athletes, and I don't think I've heard somebody share share it like you just did. I mean, to have an opportunity and just to not physically being able to get it done. You know, I've seen people say, you know, it is what it is, but to hear you share that version of it, I, I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, and I think uh, I'm glad you shared it. I appreciate that. And um, Thank you. Let's talk about life after Carolina. Um, and I mentioned the 40 Club is some weird name, Joey, and I came up with for these podcasts <laughs> with former guys. Is You know, we hear a lot about, you know, it's not a four-year decision, it's a 40-year decision. You've already talked about um, what it meant to be a part of Carolina. Just, just share some more about your life since – uh, that day, I believe in September of '05, you decided I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore. What, what have you been up to um, since then? And then I want to talk some more about helping your community back in Jamaica and those type things that you've done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been in sales uh, since then. Um, you know, now, um, you know, I'm in the the, the new construction um, in real estate. Um, you know, I've been I've been extremely fortunate. I've been blessed with uh, you know finding something that doing something that I absolutely love, um, and um, yeah, but finding that over the years after basketball was it was definitely a transition because then after hanging up you know basketball, I was like, well, okay, well, what now? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of people struggle. A lot of athletes, I feel like, struggle with that. And, um, you know, we can talk more about, you know, that's, that's for another show about that transition, <laughs> what, you know, post, post sports, what that should look like for athletes. But, uh, but that was a struggle of figuring out, you know, where, where do I fit in again now into this real world basketball behind me. And, um, but eventually landed in, in real estate and, um, you know, I'm actually down in, in Charleston. Um, now heading down there, you know, part of the uh, of, uh, new home builders as, as a VP of sales and marketing um, there. And um, but it's something that I absolutely love. Um, I really enjoy it. And uh, I find a lot of, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. It's as close to basketball as I can get as far as, you know, bringing the team together, mm-hmm. celebrating the wins. Yep. <laughs> it's as close to basketball as I can get. So how much has the Carolina family been a part of life since 2005? 
um, you know, we all still chat. You know, we're all in a group chat, even, even you know, not just my teammates, but old you know, guys way before me. Shouldn't call them the old guys <laughs> way before <laughs> me. Um, you know, so we're, we're, all, we're all still pretty close, pretty connected. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's very unique to, to us. Everyone talks about the Carolina family, they, you know, and, and, you know, what that means. And I think a lot of people, are, a lot of other schools are envious of that. Um, but, you know, uh, I think for me, and I'll say this, Maktar Jai, he's been instrumental, I feel like, in, in, in driving a lot of that and keeping that together. You know, he was one of the first people that made me feel welcome on campus. And I remember I still have, you know, he gave me one of his old practice jerseys when, mm-hmm. when I got on campus because you had to earn your practice gear. You weren't allowed to get any gear until you did, like, your conditioning stuff. So he gave me his old, you know, one of his old practice jerseys. I still have it to this day. <laughs> no, nice. but I think he's been instrumental in helping to drive that and keep that together too. But yeah, it's it's, it's a Carolina family, man. It's it's something that you know, also very blessed to be a part of. I appreciate you kind of sharing a little bit of that insight. Something that I've learned from some of the guys that I knew that played with you and otherwise, they all speak really highly of Debo. All of your ex teammates really? that I've ever heard that that have talked about you. Speak really highly of you. Why do you think that is? Uh, you know, you tell me. <laughs> what I mean, it's, it's hard. To, I know it's hard to brag on yourself, but I mean, I, I can at least see in the time that we've talked to you here how introspective you are and how vulnerable you're willing to be. But why do you think your teammates might might just you know just think so much of of, of Debo the guy? Uh, you know, I don't. I, I'd like to think I'm pretty humble. You know, it's it's something that. Um, you know, and I've connected with some of my teammates and, you know, if, 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 if they need help in any way, whatever it is, I'm never asking, I've never asked why, you know, it's always like, all right, let's, let's get it done. If something needs to get done, I right, let's, you know, let's do it. Um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they, they feel like it's, you know, they can always still turn, you know, they have someone there that's going to be in their corner regardless of whatever is happening. And that's something that I truly believe in because that's something that I would want for me. If I ever wanted, you know, if I ever need to reach out to someone, I'd want to feel like they're going to be there regardless. Let me ask you about the current guys a little bit. And I know you guys keep up as much as possible, but Sterling Manley, probably in a pretty similar situation than that you went through during your time. Struggled to stay healthy. Um, can't stay healthy. He's got talent to play. Uh, what do you tell a guy like that uh, that's nearing the end of his time, eligibility, I mean, he's still trying to get there. I mean, how do you pass that down to a guy like Sterling? You know, and I, I don't know a lot of the details about his health situation, but, you know, if, if it's similar to, to what I was doing, taking the time to evaluate where you need to be healthy, what needs to happen for, for him to be healthy. Because a lot of things that I did is I had these nagging injuries that weren't healed all the way that led to other injuries, you know, because I kept pushing to come back and, you know, kept wanting to be a part, not wanting to miss out. So, you know, for him, it's, I would say, hey, understand, evaluate what needs to happen for him to be healthy and take time um, to do what it takes to be able to do that. You know, if he really, if he truly wants to make a, a solid impact, um, you know, whether it's 
sit out for a year or whatever it is and take the time to 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 work on his body um you know work on his skill set and come back being a, a the, the best player he can be and then at the end of that if it still doesn't work out then he knows okay you know what i've given it my all um, that would be my my advice to him yeah it's just it's it's got to be frustrating to be a young guy that you just can't mm-hmm. You can't physically do it. Last question or last couple questions. You mentioned Maktar, and you you mentioned him to me out here at the pool when I ask about the uh, group chat or the WhatsApp or whatever. And, yeah. and he's a guy. I think he's a not a guy that's very well known to the UNC fan base. Other than I've got a picture. I started to get it out um, of him <laughs> on the scorers table in '98. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that made some coaches mad. Really, up some coach's wife really upset that day. She was extremely triggered. But just you mentioned he's sort of the leader, and I we tried to put you on the spot, to talk about yourself, and I understand not wanting to. But tell us a little bit about Mac Tar that maybe people don't understand because you know whatever happened with the in Utah, the Final Four, whatever's happened. He's just misunderstood, I think, and I think that's he, a, a wrong thing. He's one of the most humble, most most uh, uh, giving mm. guys I've, I've ever met. I think Mac Tarr and, and even Brendan Haywood, you know, humble, most giving guys that that, that I've met. Um, yeah, because this is another thing going into the Chapel Hill. I didn't really have much. You know, so Maktar and, and Brendan Haywood, they kind of took me under their wing and kind of like, all right, people like, help you out, what do you need? You know, hey, I see you don't have a suit. <laughs> you know, let me help you out with, with a suit. You know, um, you don't have these dress shoes, let me help you out with the dress shoes. You know, and yeah. and it's something that, uh, and even post, Post uh, basketball after college, Maktar is one of those guys where he'd reach out randomly, you know, hey Debo, how, how's everything going? You know, not so much now, but you know, he 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 was always one of those guys that truly cared. He had no reason to. There's nothing that I could give him or offer him, but um, he genuinely, he genuinely cared. He wanted to to be able to help in whatever way. He could make a positive impact and I see that now just with everything he does um, you know he's still wanting to to be able to do to, to do the right thing and be able to have a positive impact in, in, in people's lives well I appreciate you sharing that and Damien I appreciate you sharing with us today you know it was it's great cra- it's crazy to bump into you at swimming pool on a random <laughs> Saturday or Sunday but uh I'm glad yeah. it worked out and I'm glad we got together and uh you know, you've been pretty awesome to share with us. I appreciate it. Hey, yeah, again, thank thank you all for for having me on and and uh, sharing a little bit about my story. I hope I gave you, <laughs> you know, enough details. I know that you know, maybe the condensed version, but yeah, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, one day we'll come back and dig a little deeper and uh, <laughs> and find out a little more. So much to tell. It's funny to. Yeah. It's great to hear those Carolina family stories, and. People talk about the family, but it's really the individuals that make it so special, I think. And, it's, and you're one of them. Yeah, absolutely. That was Damian Grant, former North Carolina Tar Heel. Uh, Joey, 
my takeaways from that interview, A, he's one of the nicest people you ever meet. I mean, I bugged him at the swimming pool when he's got his <laughs> entire family there. And B, um, I think what he said about being a player at Carolina, having a scholarship at Carolina, and he doesn't feel like he lived up to his end of the bargain. How many times have you ever heard that from a college athlete? I can count them on zero fingers. And no. I don't know if it's <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I don't know if it's because he came from such humble beginnings – that he has that perspective, but it's, I will say for me, it is very jarring and, 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 you know, it's, it's humbling to me to hear somebody who um, earned everything he has, you know, when I'm talking about Damien, he's earned everything he has and to still have that kind of perspective and feeling like, you know, did he really give all that he needed to, to get that? That's just, Oh man, it's, um, it's a bit of a gut punch, but it's also a, a really good frame for, for the rest of us just listening today. I mean, you think about, you hear about all the, the different sides of, of who thinks what about college athletes and what they should be paid or whatever, but just his honest, raw opinion um, and how much he felt compelled to earn that scholarship and earn that time, knowing what he went through physically as well. It's just that's such a unique uh, it's such a unique perspective, and I'm I'm so glad he was willing to open up to us. Yep, he is. Uh, he's a good guy. I mean, like I said, totally random meetup turned out to be one of our our favorite and one of my favorite podcasts that we've done. I hope our listeners certainly enjoyed it. Uh, You're gonna getting, stalk more people at the pool, Tom. Yeah, just, really. We're just stalk pre- more guys at the pool, and we're getting uh we're getting pretty good about this. In the meantime, I'm gonna go educate my son and his teenage buddies who Debo is. That was just that was a little embarrassing from the old guy. <laughs> Look, man, Friday is on TV all the time. I don't know how have these kids just missed this. What what are we failing? How are we failing as parents? <laughs> is if it's not on Fortnite and Call of Duty, uh, Rainbow, it's not. Uh, they don't know anything about. Everybody it. listening to this right now, go rate the podcast. And if you don't go rate the podcast, go tell your kids about the movie Friday and who Debo is. Yeah, for the love of God. Indeed. You guys have been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, 40 Club, something we came up with that's been pretty good, seeking out more former Tar Heels to talk. You know who I'd really like to talk to? That's Mactar. We get yeah, Mactar. Now, now I feel compelled to hit Mactar up because, I mean, Damien spoke so highly of him. We've heard some of the other guys allude to Mactar being such a key cog in, in perpetuating the Carolina family. I, 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 yeah. We got to make that happen. Go stalk, go, go to his pool. Stalk him at his pool. Yeah, I think he's a national coach now um, elsewhere, but we'll do our best to get up with him. If you've got any suggestions, you're listening to this and got any suggestions or any connections, send them our way. We'll hook it up. We'll do the podcast. Might send you some swag for the hookup. That's Joey Powell. I'm Tommy Ashley. This has been the Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Get that 10% off if you're a premium subscriber. It's worth it all the Carolina gear you could ever need. Don't forget to leave us a rating, leave us a review, make some suggestions, send me a note, Tommy at InsideCarolina.com, whatever you need to do to get in touch. Let us know what you want to hear, who you want to hear from. We'll do our best to get it done. Till the next time we meet, see you around. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. 
Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.